Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via our YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm where I debrief the recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favourite podcast app. Hi, I'm your host, Jack McLean, and today my guest is Chris Perkin, the Director at West Coast Health and High Performance. Chris has over 20 years of experience working at the highest clinical level, offering expert opinions to various state and national athletes. West Coast Health is proud to be partnered with West Coast Eagles Football Club, providing them with physiotherapist and injury management services for the AFL and Waffle Team. This episode is powered by Swift High Performance Supplements. Swift is a supplement brand created by Australian sports scientists for athletes that demand the very best for their training and recovery. Recommended by dietitians, sports doctors, and high-performance coaches, Swift has established an industry-leading reputation for creating supplements with integrity and without compromise. Swift is proud to support Prepare Like a Pro and is giving listeners an exclusive 15% discount online using the code Prepare Like a Pro. Coaches and gym owners who listen to this podcast can also get access to the Swift exclusive partnership program by emailing Swift directly. Highlights from this episode, we discuss the importance of communication skills, the key to developing your craft by applying your skills, chasing your dream roles. If you want something, you must go after it. The shift in understanding the value of exercise therapy over manual therapy and how to discuss difficult cases with other practitioners and when to know to refer on. Before we start this episode, for those practitioners wanting to learn how to create your own online coaching business, and work in elite sport, then our Coaches Academy is for you. Join the wait list today by simply clicking the link in the show notes. There's 41 spots available where you'll receive an exclusive early bird ticket price and a free one-month trial. Let's get into today's episode with Chris Perkin. Hope you enjoy. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for joining us again, mate. Thanks, Jack. Yeah, thanks for having me on, mate. Look forward to having a chat. Yeah, we've got a bit more time on our hands now to really dive into into your journey. Uh, you, you mentioned 2004 West Coast Eagles, so you've had a good stint there, which no doubt will spend some time uh, of your, your career over the Eagles. But let's go back to the very beginning. At, at what age did you discover you had a passion for physiotherapy? Uh, look, yeah, it's always a funny one. I think people find it difficult to know when the exact moment was. But being in a sport, I suppose uh, this is probably a familiar story with um, people going to physio was um, – Injured myself playing footy, country footy in the um, in Kimbelda, which is a place near Calgary. You guys over the east coast wouldn't have a clue where that is, but um, little mining town, and everyone plays footy and cricket and basketball. So sprained the ankle. Um, my old lady, my mum, took me to the um, local physio clinic or nursing post, it's called, because there's not much going on there in a small country town. And uh, yeah, I, it was a good experience. Basically, couldn't move with this ankle and got myself back playing within a week or two, which, uh, which obviously is, we know that happens. Um, and that was probably enough of a good experience for me to, to get involved at, at about year 10 or 11, I think, sort of as a um, you know, 15, 16-year-old. Um, yeah, so I, um, I guess from there on in, I uh, took me on that sporting concept pathway. And obviously physio is not just about sport, we know that, but I was lucky enough to... Uh, to delve into that when I graduated. But, um, yeah, my, my physio career was almost over on a uh, 
a fourth year country prac where I um, left a wax bath on in the hospital I was, um, I was at and come back to a, uh, a flaming room in the fire department there. So I was destined not to work in a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> That's classic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so everything turned out all right. Yeah, the fourth year student (laughs) lost the marks for leaving the wax bath on. Um, So, yeah, that uh, sent me into sports physio instead of of, uh, the hospital setting. (laughs) Uh, You made the right choice, I reckon. Exactly. Um, And and with with the physio side of things, you mentioned a week week turnaround. Um, What did your rehab look like at the age of 15 at that point? Was what, what was the what was the ankle injury and and yeah. how did the uh, yeah. <laughs> you're testing me out now 30 years ago um, look from yeah from memory it was a, a go, doing some wobble boards some butt balancing sort of stuff getting yep. some strapping on and actually just walking out feeling oh that actually feels better and uh, I think that's what we're, as physios that's what our aim is to sort of have someone walking out the room and being a bit more empowered and feeling like we've had an effect. Um, yeah. And so walking out of somewhere and thinking, someone's helped me there, geez, that's great. Um, this is not a bad little feeling. So I guess from there, it's you know, help. That's what we do in our profession is helping out people. So uh, it was a nice feeling and uh, yeah, rewarding to get back to what you love doing. And that's, you know, that's our aim in sports and medicine and health is, is getting people back to what, what they love doing. And, and that's exercise. Awesome. Oh, I love that. that. That's great. And that, that, yeah. it's, a, it's an empowering message as well as practitioners to, like you said, if you can help the athlete walk in and as they walk out, they're feeling better, more confident um, and feeling better physically, you've done a pretty good job. Yeah, so, uh, absolutely. Just like to know you've actually had an effect, something changes. Often, you know, injuries don't change in a hurry, but, you know, to walk out of every session, I think, with someone and, and something's actually helped or your mind's changed or you're, you've been positively influenced by something that's good. Yep, yep. And what about um, <laughs> those that have influenced you in your early part of your career? Did you have mentors early on or did you sort of forge your own way? Talk us through. Yeah, I, look, I was lucky enough to jump into a physio practice early days um, that linked in with a couple of sports um, teams. Um, so my, I think my first company was um, – Western Sport Care, it's called. So uh, an old fellow, Noel McRoberts, he was sort of more towards the end of his career. And he ran the, uh, the Australian hockey team and the Wildcats basketball, who um, sadly didn't make the finals this year. But um, I think uh, that was a great experience. So he took me on knowing I'd played a lot of sport along the pathway before hitting the physio as a footballer, basketballer. And so that all helps, I think, as you're developing uh, into your profession to be active in the, the things you want to go into. Um, so yeah, that was a, a nice start. So it cut my teeth on, um, on some elite sports people in my very early days. And I still remember, you may not know the guy's name, the, uh, Alabama slammer. He was, he was James Crawford. He was one of the centers for the Wildcats and sort of my first ankle strapping was James Crawford telling me, Hey man, you sh- you know what you're doing, man, with that ankle <laughs> in his, uh, <laughs> Alabama, background and you've got this 21 year old strapping his ankle so um you know you learn you learn Slow, quick. Pretty, pretty quickly when uh, athletes yeah. give you a bit of shit and you yeah. just need you, you grow from that i mean you can take it on board and it's uh yeah no it's great so that was a nice really a really nice start and working with the wildcats and the australian hockey and doing some trips with some more senior physios in my early early days and traveling to pakistan with the australian hockey 
that was an amazing experience back in 99, uh, so moons ago. Um, mm-hmm. To you know, People have only just started going back to Pakistan, so I was lucky enough to be there with the Aussie hockey team and seeing the passion of sports around the world. You know, I mean, people playing cricket in every park you walk around in Pakistan, it's unbelievable. Uh, but the hockey stadium, um, yeah, yeah, incredible stuff. So uh, Noel was sort of uh, instrumental in getting me involved in that stuff. And I suppose, um, you know, winning a premiership with the, uh, with the Wildcats in 99 was pretty, pretty, pretty good memory. Um, but, yeah, I think um, – so that was a good influence. And then did my sports physio degree. Funnily enough, Peter O'Sullivan was our lecturer that year, transitioning out of uh, sports uh, – sorry, transitioning into lecturing. And he was then my next, um, my next sort of uh, employee, I guess, and um, employee, employer. So Peter O'Sullivan, the, the, the back guru <clears throat> from Perth um, with his um, – all his amazing research that he'd done, he sort of got me on board to uh, work with him for a few years and then we became business partners. So uh, <clears throat> that was an amazing sort of experience with, um, with Pete who taught me his trade in, in um, you know, spinal pain, chronic pain, chronic pain and, and to bring that into um, sporting field was really special and um, a good part of how I operate. Um, so, that, yeah, that was uh, very lucky to be business partners with, with him for 10 years along the way. And a, and a women's health physio in Judith Thompson. And so, there, yeah, some, there's some key physios that sort of influenced me along the way. And I guess um, working with athletes like you have, mate, and all the people who are listening with us, I mean, probably two athletes that stick in my mind are probably Steve Hooker. So I worked with him through his, um, his time. Um, he's a Melbourne man. Um, as you know him well, he's um, time over here when he was with the, the WACE program. And he was a genius at just getting everything out of his body. Um, wanted to perform, wanted, pushed everyone around him to get better. So I almost learnt to actually go and hunt things down to how to actually improve on performance and all the little things that make a difference, the one percenters that make a difference in an athlete's body and how they feel. Mm-hmm. And we came up with some fun things and, I, you know, he'd search around for different people's opinions and, and we'd talk it through. And so, yeah, I was spending um, some nights in the front of the, TV, sort of putting needles in him or sort of getting, you know, release work done was, you know, part of our routine as well. So, you know, and my kids to have, have their, <clears throat> have his gold medal around his neck when he was over, you know, it was pretty, pretty great. So you sort of get to know your athletes really well when you work closely with them. And that, that's, um, that's a pretty lucky thing to be doing with what we do in our profession. Um, and then probably another player that I just rate highly, highly is Matt Prittis, Matty Prittis, um, Brownlow medalist um, for West Coast Eagles. He came through the, you know, the rookie draft as a mature age and he just got the best out of him. Mr. Football, we called him, and his influence on me just making people do all the things you need to do to get mm-hmm. better. You know, there's no, there's no spare time when you're at a footy club. Don't just wait around. Get on the roller, do some extra trigger work, you know, ask people questions of how you can improve, you know. So, he was a great advocate for doing everything you can do to get the best out of your body. And um, so those, um, those sort of names really, really helped me a lot um, along the pathway. And, yeah. um, you know, it gave me an approach that I sort of do myself. And everyone has their own approach, but, you know, it, it blends in from all the influences you've had. And I guess, you know, all the physios along the pathway that we work with at the club, you know, being the Eagles for 20 years, the banter you have with the physio group. So Paul Tucker's been with me for the, ever there. Mark Finnecane and Steve Allen, who's there now, you know, they're great, great guys who, um, 
who you know influence you in the um, and of course the the sports science crew we work with that whole team environment of working with you know sports science and coaches and everyone who's got the same aim to to get your athlete um, at that best level and keep them on the track and unfortunately at the Eagles at the moment we're not quite um, <laughs> doing the best job. Uh, we, footy gods aren't being very nice. Footy gods <laughs> haven't been nice and we we you know. We've been cursed a little bit. We're doing everything we can, though. So, and as we always will in our profession. Hundred percent. No, I, I like that mindset, mate. Of um, <laughs> yeah, it's not just practitioners in your field, but you had mentors that you looked up to and you learned from, but also learning off the best athletes that you've worked with. Um, practitioners in other fields, like you mentioned, coaches, sports scientists, strength conditioning coaches. It's a good perspective to have, I think, as as all practitioners in the field of of uh, what we do, athletic preparation. Is that something that has come naturally to you, that open mindset? Like you mentioned with Steve Hooker, yeah. you love the fact that he would probe you and challenge you on, on how can we think more laterally and do things yeah, um, yeah. differently? I, mean, I think everyone has a different approach and everyone's had more experiences. Like That's what we do as professionals. We look at the people who've done the research, we try it out, we'll see if it works from our perspective. You know, athletes respond to different things. Everyone's Every athlete has a different mindset, don't they? So mm. you sort of need to get in there inside their head and, and just being an easy person to talk to is really important to get the best out of each athlete because unless you get those details down pat, you, you might be pushing shit uphill in trying to get what you want out of them if they've got a mental barrier of some sort you don't quite get. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and we're not going to be best suited to every person we talk with. So you might find that if you're open enough to different ideas, you're not getting someone better then work with people you know who are, you know, have different skill sets. So that's, that's my motto is just, you know, <clears throat> do, deal with people who are the best at what they do and then chase that down, you know. I mean, we've always yep. aspired to, to say, you know, these people are great at what they're doing, but, um, you know, get, get as much information as you can as everyone ever around you really to get the and right for the, aim. And for the physiotherapists tuning in um, that, are, that want to work in elite sport, uh, they might be working – you know, in a semi-professional sport at the moment or community level and they're, and they're striving to, to get their foot in the door. You mentioned Pete O'Sullivan, the connection there was through doing your master's. Um, yeah, what about with, right. with, Mal, with Noel? Um, how did you get that connection early on in your career? Was it, was it calling? Was it through your own networks? Talk us yeah, through. Yeah, I think um, that was through a, uh, a network of working alongside um, as, as sports trainers. So when you go through your degree, I think for me as an employer, um, I think um, – Looking at getting like <clears throat> involved in work experience, you know, mm-hmm. ring people up. If there's an area you want to go to, ring them up, ring people up, be annoying to a point where, you know, you can be helpfully annoying, but because um, otherwise we'll get blocked pretty quickly. But if you want yeah, to chase yeah. something, chase it. It's not going to come to you. So you got to sit up, you got to chase it. And, you know, I think like physios now, you know, jumping in and asking surgeons to sit in with, with the patient that's going for surgery with them, that's a great idea to sort of just get connected with the surgeon, the patient. Um, you know, ring the personal trainers that I deal with all the time. Um, you're dealing with them. I'm going off track here a bit, but um, you know, I guess from a getting the your first bite of the cherry as a as a when you're going into your profession, it, it's actually putting it out there, doing unpaid work that's going to get you the opportunity to go where you need to, and just show a passion for what you're doing. You know, that's what I'm looking for all the time is people who you tell they love what they're doing and they want to aspire to be better. So. <clears throat> Having, having people around you that want to keep continually better, that, that to ask you questions are really important. So you know, my uh, initial job was based on a contact and a 
an opportunity from a question and a um and you know my involvement in basketball. I love basketball mm. playing and you know I'd also strapped footy guys as a player playing for um you know North Beach and Subiaco footy over here and you know I actually remember now working with one of the physios helping strap guys before I'd go out and play myself. So yeah, right. um, you know it all quite, helps. Yeah, it all helps. I mean I you know for many years I was um you know running out warming up my footy team, my local footy team. Um, going and cracking someone's thoracic spine uh, just before the siren goes and on the field and putting a finger back, running down to full back and putting a finger back in if uh, that happens. Pay, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it all helped you just get, you know, the experience of what you wanted to go into. Good fun. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. and that, we're, we're, you know, with that take us through your mindset, did you know that you were going to be a physio at that point, like uh, in sport and that's and you were – you know, deliberate, doing deliberate practice or was it just you just you had a skill set and you just wanted to help people? Oh, no, that was once I was in physio study, you know, going through uni when you're still, yep. you know, playing footy and trying to gem- juggle everything with life and work and do your sport and have relationships and get out with your mates and all those sort of things. They're fun times. Um, yep, yep. So, yeah, that, that sort of is just trying to put in as much as you can to um, to where I think you're going, you know, experience them and, you know, from a physio perspective, we love to see dislocated shoulders and fingers and things like that. It's not something most people love, but unfortunately, they're the experiences you want to see as a sports physio in your early stages so you can experience it. Yeah. Um, you know, I just popped pop my uh, young bloke's 15-year-old's kneecap back in when he was working at Hungry Jacks a couple of weeks ago. And so that's just from years of experience. Instead of worrying about a hospital and an ambulance, um, He's given me a call, so I've ducked into his work and, um, <laughs> and he finished up the shift. Popped his patella back in. <laughs> so, well played. Yeah, I think it's just you know doing every opportunity, using what you can to um, you know do what you do. Yep, yep, yep. Man, love that. And and you mentioned um, and early on that moment with James Crawford that it definitely could have been a sink or swim moment for a young practitioner. Um, and and I have been in a. Uh, yeah, it reminds me of, of moments where you do hear that. You can hear some athletes keep them to themselves. They'd be nice. And then other athletes will definitely let the trainer or the physiotherapist know if, uh, if they're not yeah. liking the, the, the strapping job. And, and you said it's a good growth experience to, to get better for, for physios, trainers, whoever it might be that are experiencing those moments. Um, how do you like to develop your craft? You, you've talked about, you know, making the most of every opportunity you can get, whether it be strapping a mate, but, do you, do you prefer to, whether you're trying to find a new methodology to help like someone like Steve Hooker, is that calling colleagues and, and picking their brain? Is it yeah. you mentioned research? What's your favourite way to, to develop your own craft? Yeah, yeah. So to so develop your own knowledge, I think, you know, one of the things is talking and being open about cases. So discussing cases. I mean, in, in the AFL, or the NRL, whatever sport it is at the elite level, we're always trying to get our patient, our players, our athletes back as quickly as we can and safely as we can. So ringing people within your network across fields, um, you know, I was lucky enough to do a little bit of lecturing at Aspatar and, you know, you've got that some genius people over there and, you know, um, you can join on your contacts. Even in the research worlds over there, they're a real research hospital. You can ring up and say, look, what's the latest on this? Have you guys got anyone back earlier on this protocol? So I think everyone's happy to share. Um, you just got to be careful with specific names so it doesn't get out that you're, um, but yeah, I think that's one big thing is actually, um, 
you know, talking to colleagues and actually going through case studies, a learning experience for everyone. Um, so talking to sports physicians, um, mm-hmm. talking to anyone that's had an experience with a particular case you're looking for, you know, and, you know, social media is huge now. It's so much better. I mean, when I was studying undergrad, <laughs> you're looking, you're going to, you're going to the library and looking up journal, journal articles still out of mm-hmm. books. <laughs> so that's showing my grey age. But um, it's so much easier now and us oldies are a little bit less uh, experienced on the social media, but I still have a crack at trying to actually follow as many people as I can on that, you know. Um, you know, uh, I guess you know, Mickey Hughes is a great one over there who, who does uh, so much stuff on ACL stuff himself. He's made a little bit of a business out of just having a great podcast that he does and his um, ACL stuff. So it's the same with lots of different areas. People become experts in those areas and yeah, nice to follow them and what they're doing. Um, you know, you're still getting your journal articles sort of flicked through at, you know, where we are at the West Coast, we share a lot of updated articles across sports science and medicine. And, but I, I reckon the best one is actually asking questions, you know, not feeling dumb enough to um, put yourself out there and say, look, I really need some help on this case. What do you think we can do? Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and I also think with patients, it's asking them, you know, what do you feel has helped you? Like what's not working and being open, going, look, I feel like we're not going anywhere now. Um, what do you reckon we need to do? And having an mm. open conversation, you know, about that, you know, and saying, oh, I've got this other guy I want you to see. I want to come in and catch up with him. Um, at my clinic at West Coast Health High Performance, well, I'll often bring a, a case that's challenging in and get the whole group of, you know, eight, ten of us physios and group of people in there and, challenge everyone around and go, here he is. This is what my study, this is what I'm doing. Um, what do you think? You, know, you guys yeah, have right. to test him out, ask him questions, you know, do some assessment on him. Let's have a big open group discussion on this, you know, um, chronic hamstring tendinopathy that's not getting better. Why, mm-hmm. why, is, it, why is it not getting better? Challenge, just, just challenge yourselves as to what else we can do. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, people need to be mindful that they don't know everything. And if you're not getting someone better, challenge yourself to, Get more help. Don't be afraid to get help. And this might be a tricky question, but in your experience with with doing that, mm-hmm. with specifically with physios, how much of, is it that the diagnosis was slightly off, and how much is it that the relationship with the athlete was slightly off? Therefore, um, you didn't quite get enough information. Yeah. That's- look, I, well, I guess as a, I mean, you you know, you get very closely linked with patients, so they get very sort of. Uh, protective physios become protective sometimes of their patient uh, mm-hmm. and, and the patients develop a good relationship with them. So it's more, I think patients appreciate that when someone's referred you across to someone else, if you mm-hmm. can't get the process, not necessarily to ongoing treatment, but for um, advice and say, yep. look, this guy does this, um, you know, he's a specialist in the pelvis or the groin or sees a lot of these, how about you see him and then he'll give me some advice to come back. I think that's really important, but you're right. I think they're the ones that work better when the physio is mindful to actually push them on as opposed to holding you know, on to I'm saying second or third opinions because people haven't got better and they've become fed up. <laughs> so if someone's not getting better in the, in, with the injury, then you, you need to go forward and change what you're doing or get a different approach. And it's not always – you don't look at it as a negative on yourself. You look at it as trying maybe how can I – how can I learn from this? You know, yeah, yeah. Um, that's more important. So yeah, but 
I think the people maintain the relationship with the patient if they're actually happy to refer on. It's a, mm-hmm. a better thing to, to someone who's like maybe a specialist or a more expertise in their area. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it's such a great – I mean, you, you, you ultimately you're putting the, the athlete first, aren't you, the client first before you, yourself? Yeah, I mean, that's our job. That's our job yeah. to get the best out of our, the human being in front of us, whether it's an athlete or a patient with chronic back pain or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't get them better. It's not a nice environment to work in, someone who's continually coming back in pain or we're having the same problem. So you either need to um, toughen up and figure out that you know, change your approach or get some help. And getting yeah. some help isn't a, isn't a negative. It's, a, it's a, massively, a massively positive learning environment. You've worked in a range of uh, sporting <laughs> environments. What, what are some highlights that you look back fondly of, Chris? Yeah, look. Um, Without Pakistan, going to Pakistan and getting delivered this um, massive one-by-one-meter ice block I had to chisel out <laughs> and, uh, and watching how sport was done in, in a passionate country like that. But, yeah. um, um, you know, my, my footy, having done a lot of physio at my local footy club at my mighty North Beach Tigers, um, I've just been very lucky enough to win a bunch of premierships with those boys. And celebration and always being the guy that asks, okay, what about this? What about that? You know, injury wise, but mm-hmm. you know, the, um, the celebrations and the fun that you have with community sport and your physio link with that. But as a player, that's just, I can't, I can't say um, enough about that, the, the links with community sport and your commitments to those and, and, and both as a physio slash player and heavily involved in, in the club. But yeah, I mean, watching Steve Hooker get his gold medal and being able to experience that with him, um, working with the Eagles team. I mean, I was lucky enough to only be there for sort of three, two or three years before they'd won a premiership. So 2006, 2018, you know, some great premier, a couple of great premierships there. That, but it's not just that. It's the relationships you build along the pathway with the clubs you're with and the, the people you actually share that joy with as opposed to the moment itself. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, but they're, they're, they're certainly highlights from a sports physio point of view. I was very lucky enough to be involved with. Um, but you, you can have just as much fun winning a C-grade, you know, helping out with the under-40s hockey team. You know, I mean, it's just how involved you get with whatever club and, and link you've got. I think... Um, is the fun stuff of what we do and, and being, you know, passionate about it, being, you know, get engaged with it. I think it's the most important thing, being engaged in what you do well. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a couple of um, lucky moments I've had there over time and, you know, that's, um, they'll always stick in my memory. Awesome, mate. Yeah, thanks for sharing. It's uh, yeah. some, some great highlights and, the, and ones that are from a personal point of view and all the way to the, to the top. Um, to, to gold medals and premierships, which is, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a great, great and experience. Look, and professionally, I probably should say that, you know, getting that specialisation under my belt was a pretty, uh, a pretty important thing. We were pushed by, you know, Peter O'Sullivan, he's a genius physio and uh, a research clinician. And it was, a, it was a pretty big highlight in my career to be able to go and do that. And that's sort of something that a lot of physios are aspiring to do now and go through the training program and become that sort of, highest level of professionalism that you can get clinically. So that was probably professionally the, the um, great moment to, to get that under the belt and then keep going. I'm not a researcher, but I love to be clinically 
working um, working on people and continue to yeah, advance in what we do. Yep, yep. And what about on the flip side? What have been some some challenges uh, that you faced, and what what have you learned from it? Yeah, look, I mean, challenges are always a difficult one. I mean, challenges come in patience that you're not getting better, um, patience you've actually injured, <laughs> um, and learning from that, and then trying to um, trying to uh, you know avoid doing that again. You know, they're, they're, we get so connected with patients that we sort of want to make sure we, we're doing the right thing by all of them, and some of them go backwards. So, um, you know, learning from that and not doing that <laughs> again and, mm-hmm. and, then, and then getting, you know, on the right track early. I mean, the biggest challenge in my life and my career physio- physio-wise was probably losing my wife. I mean, we had a, an awful time in 2009 and um, we were having a third baby and the baby got infected. She, uh, we delivered a, <clears throat> a stillborn baby at, at term and so the baby died and my wife went into a coma and died like three days later. So no one likes to hear oh, that man. stuff. And, no, um, you know, so sorry to hear yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, and, and that's the sort of thing no one wants to hear, but that's a challenge and that's a life story. So for me to um to juggle kids, to um to juggle profession where you sort of, you know, I've done my sports physio degree by then and um <clears throat> and just finished my specialization and wanting to sort of go in a career path, it wasn't the priority. Um, but I was lucky enough to be, you know, so to have, I guess, uh, a great business partner in Peter and Judith with Body Logic Physio we had. And that's, and that's I suppose, you realise when in, in our environment in, in sport and the health profession, we help a lot of people, it, mm. it comes back in spades and, you know, overwhelmed by the support I had with that. And so that's um, sometimes I, I feel almost a bit lucky in one way that I had so much support and then, you know, the other side of it is, is the opposite to luck. So. Um, yeah. But I, you know, blessed that the amount of support I have in my workplace was very supportive and was able to continue normality. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, what I learned out of that is, you know, the importance of, you know, you know, relationships with human beings. Um, you know, live your life to your fullest. And I guess, you know, for me, I've I've just been a lucky man to be able to have my kids and grow up with them for the last ten years and teach them the the way I want to teach them. And hopefully, um, they've learned a few things over time. But yeah, to professionally keep juggling footy, Eagles, a business. I mean, the Eagles were amazing at that time for me. So actually, again, a credit to a sporting team that just did everything they could do at the time to just keep me on board and what can we do? And I think you know that over time, people with challenges in their life and health challenges or look at Neil Danaher, for example. He was there, he was there at that time, Neil mm. Danaher. So look mm-hmm. at what, what he's become. He's, he's an absolute legend, what he's done with his um, cards he's been dealt. So, um, you know, it's just a case of um, getting through the absolute crisis in life with things that occur and then, you know, try and create normality and then try and create something from it. And I was lucky enough to um, set up what we call the Sunshine Beach Run. And it was a memory event for anyone who's lost a young child. So it ended up being a memory event for my wife, but of course, uh, people have lost kids to SIDS and Kids, which is called the Red Nose Foundation. So we did that for about 10 years. So <clears throat> the learning of that is, I guess, just trying to be you, – you, human beings are very resilient and we'll keep, we'll keep plugging along. Kids are resilient more than anyone. But mm-hmm. um, the opportunity to have so much support and, and you know, I guess, um, you know, we don't know, what, don't know what's ahead of us. So just be – just live the moment and, you know, work, enjoy what you do. Be passionate about what, what you do. 
don't um, don't hold back from what you want to do. Um, you know, I think accepting the professional. My my difficulty was accepting that professionally, I couldn't probably go and do all the things I want to do. But yeah, hundred percent. Just a you massive, have to focus on yourself. And I think the massive juggle of life, and that's what we all do. Everyone's juggling life, so it's just trying to prioritize things when. As you know, elite sports are sort of full-on environment. So yeah. I was very lucky to be able to come probably part-time then and still stay involved thank, thanks to the footy club uh, and the good people around me. So, yeah, there's a bit of a, <laughs> a lonely yeah. story for you. No, thanks for sharing, mate. And, and sorry again to hear that, but, you know, super inspiring story for, for your kids, no doubt. They'll be look, looking up to you and, and lucky to have you. Um, like you said, resilience. So to be able to be able to have that attitude, like you said, to – to appreciate those that are around you. Um, and I can imagine they would come out like spades um, and, and get around you and help that support and, and to, to raise a fundraiser as well. So yeah, um, yeah very- it's an absolute tragedy, but it sounds like you, you know, you kept moving forward, which is like you said, the Neil Danaher way. So um, super inspiring, I'm sure for, for everyone listening. Hey there. Hope you're enjoying this episode with Chris Perkin. We're just going to take a quick break to hear a snippet interview with Andrew Lambert, the head physiotherapist at the Hawthorne Football Club. Like you've seen a lot of successful footballers at your time at Hawthorne. Is there something that footballers can do in the off-season that you've seen has had a trend of success, whether it be track and field, wrestling, get a combat coach or um, psychology, any tips or tricks that you feel um, people yeah. can be doing away from the club or, in, or during off-season or... You know, all, all of those things. I think, um, well, you did mention like the, the, the psychology side of things. I mean, the one thing I would say of the very successful um, people and uh, footballers that I've got to know over the years, and not, not just footballers, athletes, they've all got a really, uh, they've got a steely resolve. They've got a, a sort of like an inbuilt determination to, to keep pushing. And I guess they're, one thing that I've noticed as well is that they're very resilient. They cope with, with setbacks and bounce out of them really quickly. Now that may that may be some long term setbacks, but it it may often be re- responding to immediate feedback as well. So some of these some guys that are uh, that are really successful seem to be able to take the feedback on board and not hold on to it, just move yeah. on. To hear more from Bart, make sure to scroll to episode three on the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Now back to the rest of the episode with Chris Perkin. Hope you enjoy. You mentioned the body logic with um, Peter O'Sullivan. So it sounds like you guys have been business partners for for quite some time. But yeah. For the, business, for the business owners out there listening in, have you had a successful working relationship in, in that space where there, it is high pressure and, and there's lots of stakes at that at base? Yeah. How do you guys sort of work that well together? Yeah. Look, I, mean, I guess what we had at the time was a business, and body logic is a great business, and I'm not with that anymore, obviously, developing my own at West Coast Health and high performance because I, I guess what we did at the time was sort of have our specialty areas and Pete was the guru and is in back pain, chronic pain and, and managing those sort of things and, and all chronic issues. And, um, you know, the researcher in that and women's health was run by Judith Thompson. She's a, a pioneer in women's health thing over here in Perth. And um, so yep. we had our, we had our areas. So sports physio and, you know, that sort of specifics part was mine. Pete's was the back pain and the, and the spinal pain, but also chronic sort of pain issues, and Judas was women's health. So that, that worked really well. And I guess you can only stretch yourself so far over time. And 
you know, we knew our strengths. We pushed each other in different ways. But, you know, uh, from a business perspective, um, yeah, it worked really well for like eight, ten years. And then I guess my, um, my challenge, that was a really big part of challenging my career, a big tough one, because I didn't really want to move from Body Logic, but um, it, it was a bit too hard for everyone involved to just continually develop something else. Mm-hmm. And my opportunity came up to, to set up a practice with the Eagles over yep. at their home ground. And so that was probably one of the first practices located at a, at a, um, at a. It's becoming a bit of a trend now. You've, Nick, you've started yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Nick Kane's done a good job and um, set up a, a place with the Bombers there now. But, um, you know, I think at having that high performance center now at the Eagles is, is sort of a dream in a way for me. But, you know, doing it on my own has been a tough gig coming from a practice where you're working with two or three practice, but, you know, you get great people around you supporting you, physios working with you and a great business manager hopping along the way with Mel, who's done that for me. Um, you know, it makes life a lot easier. And that's, I suppose, you know, that um, the key with business, isn't it? It's a, you've got to have a plan, but you've got to be able to enjoy it. And, um, you know, I'm nowhere near where we need to be. And that's continually building up and enjoying it on the way. Um, yeah. On that note, like <laughs> it, it makes a lot of sense having a, a physio clinic, you know, performance space within an AFL club. Why has it taken this long for it to start? Is there some strong? Was there some strong challenges in in getting getting it started? Oh no! Look, I mean, the, the Eagles facility was basically a move. They were at Subi Oval forever, and yep. Subi Oval basically got redeveloped over us. So you probably don't know the the backing behind it all, but yeah. So that was purely purely about building a, a community um, medical centre that linked with the new build that was done. So it was a multi-million dollar build at at Vic Park, which is an area they were never in before. So Mm -hmm. it it took a few years for it to develop. And I mean, the facility is there, is outstanding. You know, the the credit to the people who organised it and built it all. Um, And I would, you know, challenge other facilities around to sort of have what we've got there. I mean, the Doggers did it probably 10 years ago. So they sort of did it out in Coogee. And what we've got, I think, um, yeah, <laughs> I won't say it's better in any way because it is different, but it's, it's a, a head of what else is out there based on it's the newest build. So something yeah. else will come along the track, down the track, that'll be even inspiring and, and more things going on. But yeah, our clinic was based on a lot of negotiating over time um, to just fulfill a role that they wanted anyway as an offering to the community. We're coming in and bringing this big footy club. Yeah, so it's good timing. Yeah, so the timing yeah. is there. But, you know, like anything in business, you have to work jump hard and negotiate and jump at it, otherwise you miss out. So, 100%. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and talk us through the, the space. <laughs> for, for those that haven't been there, um, who, who is your, who's your classic client that works with you? What, who are the athletes that work with you? Um, yeah, talk yeah. us through. Yeah, like, so the business is separate to the point where, so the Eagles guys will come up and, and, um, and do their high-performance stuff and their DEXA testing and their VO2 max testing and their, um, you know, uh, bone density testing that, that they have as a part of research. Um, mm-hmm. If they need a biodex testing, they come up and use those, those things, which are often used for return to sport testing or, um, you know, measuring <coughs> weaknesses. Um, most, you know, most of the stuff they need is down at the actual footy club, but the, the occasional time to come and use the high performance stuff, that's where they come up. So, the same stuff is offered to the community. And so I guess we've got a high performance part, which is a small aspect of the clinic. I mean, our mm-hmm. clinic is based around physio and treating 
sports injury, back pain, arthritis, you know, your day-to-day patients that we'll all see. That can all do with exercise, but the high performance part of it is for the um, you know, recreational or semi-elite or anyone who wants to actually get that the best out of themselves and actually get the best measurement out of themselves, get the best um, you know, progress from a planning and a, a programming point of view and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and go to that next level. You know, whatever it is that ticks their box or goal they want to create, that's, that's what the facility is there for. And you know, we do the same with every patient we see, but um, to be able to uh, jump, jump out with, with, for me as a patient, as a, with a patient and go into a force platform, Test and measure their, yeah, wow. their jump height off the force plates and measure, um, you know, the, the gastroc force left versus right by just jumping on a force plate. Um, or, you know, if the, if the guys are there to jump on the DEXA and say, look, here's your body comp, you, you need to drop 20 kilos, big fella. Um, yep. <laughs> your body comp's uh, not that good, but this is the base for you and we challenge you to lose 15 kilos over the next three months by yep. doing X, Y, and Z. Um, so th- 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 that's very lucky to have that stuff there. And I think that, you know, that's not going to exist in most, most practices. So, uh, you know, um, I, I just think that that takes a while to just get out of the community that, the, that these sort of facilities are available to. Oh, 100%. In the public. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know it, yeah. Yeah, and it's slowly getting better. And we'll look, after, we'll look after some of the other local elite teams in town who don't have these facilities. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, that's only a small percentage of, of what we do. Um, it, it's trying to get the more the community engaged in these sort of things, um, which is, you know, not always seen as like, oh, why would I do that? Um, but I think there's, it just needs to be sold to the people that, you know, it is, it is a very good opportunity. It's important. And um, <clears throat> if you want to take yourself to that next level, like you're saying, you prepare like a pro, if you want to get to that next level, um, yeah. then do what you can, you know, help yourself. Um, use the facilities that exist that are around town. Um, oh, 100%. Wherever, wherever you live. Yeah, and to have that those <clears> objective <throat> measures, like you said, from body comp to, to screening and, and have access to all that, like no doubt there'll be, like you said, some some athletes out there that have just never had access to it or practitioners as well, like for the, for the yeah. development of your staff to be able to have yeah, that. Absolutely, um, and just return huge. to sport after an ACL or after, you know, everyone does it, but I guess just having those little bit of extra resources to tick a box and even if you know we're not the ones doing the full return sport we can help other physios or um, exercise physios or pts do their thing by just giving them this resource you know giving the report back so you know it all, all ticks a box of getting people back safely yeah um, yep. returning to sport yeah so okay so there's a lot of other practitioners around the area that are also using your facility for consultation and assessments and yeah well there is and there isn't you know that becomes a bit of a protective mode for pump some people to actually refer on as we talked about before yeah if, if you can get the bit if you're willing to sort of put it out there and help your patient more then you know there's places that can give more more information something going to help you with your your management i think that's important to make sure that we do in our profession is, is, you know, get the best for our patient is going where we need to go, joining, yep. joining forces with other people. hundred <clears throat> percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Good, good message. And, and one will spread well, from a, going back to your career progression, how, how did you get that first experience in 2004 at West coast? What was the original role? Um, probably through the current physio there, Paul Tucker. So um, we both worked at athletics uh, with the waste athletes. He was doing, he was probably doing a bit with the, pole vaulters at the time as well uh, yep. with big Paul Burgess who's now coaching the pole vault there but um, 
and then Tucks moved into that role with the Eagles. It was, it was probably one of the first full-time physios to go into AFL, actually, in about 2003. So mm-hmm. I followed up his role at athletics involved with different things I was doing. And, yeah, I just hit around town. He sort of, my name came up and, you know, jumped in very part-time with him to start with because it was, you know, it was only role for one full-time physio. As I said, that was miles away. Um, yeah. And now, you know, every club has two or three full-time physios, you know, full-time sports science, full-time exercise physios, full-time a bit of everything really. Um, yep, yep. Prior to COVID, it was a bit more there going, but now we're um, tightening the screws. Um, yeah, for sure. But, yeah, I mean, they want the best out of their athletes. So that was my opportunity through contact. But also working with someone else in a different environment. He wasn't certainly working with me, but certainly knew them as, as colleagues at the time. There was trust there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was lucky enough to get that opportunity and then jump in and not stuff it up at the start. And, and um, you know, if you've played footy, if you've done things that you're going into, it makes a difference. You've got that sort of b- bit of respect from that point of view. Yeah, yeah. And the from a return to performance point of view, return to play, ha- have you seen a lot of change in, in the methodology with something like a hamstring strain? in your experience in footy? Yeah, in a way. I mean, everyone's got their different protocols. And I guess the problem is if you look at the Orchard Report, which is the number one medical sort of re- uh, collection of data over years, um, hamstring strains have, have been less reoccurring, but they still are highly prevalent. It's still number one injury in AFL. Yeah. Um, so I think we've become more aware of all of the different types, different levels, and the central tendon a bit more from the investigating and sort of, taking that on board. Um, have the rehab protocols try- changed that much? Look, I think we go for a sort of um, early intervention a lot more aggressively. Um, mm-hmm. We return to sport a lot more aggressively. But I think overall, I think we've done, done the right thing still for many years, 15, 20 years I've been involved. We've still done the gradual build-up. The sports science is probably more involved in the last 10 years with the GPS yep. and data we're using. I mean, I remember, I remember having a, a laser gun we used to get out of the big box in the early stages, oh, yeah. 18 <laughs> years ago, and we'd be like a policeman with the laser gun. Yeah, yeah. get off the cover, trying, trying to get their speed um, and awesome. you know, doing acceleration, deceleration and, until GPS came very prevalently involved. So yeah, that's was, great. Um, so I think we're still measuring speed, but not, in the, not with the same technology we have. You yeah. know, so we're still doing all the same things of um, repeated strength, you know, plyometric work, um, high-speed work, I think we know a lot more now that high-speed running is way more important at getting that into you consistently before returning to sport, um, mm-hmm. being underdone, underdone with your chronic acute training loads is more important than we probably mm-hmm. measured before, you know, with mm-hmm. all the research that we've seen out, coming out with Tim Gabbett and all the crew that we know who have done all yep. that kind of work. So, you know, I think there's still done – I think we've still done it traditionally. and. Yep. Hamstring strains have always been there, still are there. There's no magic pill. And unfortunately, it's a bit of a big part of sports that require high speed. And mm-hmm. Aussie rules is one of those. It's only getting faster. Yeah. It is. You're right. It's getting faster and quicker. And, you know, I, I watch the footy games now. I think, oh, how the heck do they get, how, how quickly do they get the ball out? And, you know, yeah. it's great. It's great. Um, intensity is always up there. Yeah. So I think. From a hammy perspective, I think we've done it in a good way all the time, but, you know, there's, um, there's still ways things where little things we're improving and, and research backing up what we thought maybe 10 years ago yep. that we'll do. Validating now. it. Yeah, it's validating what we probably were doing 
and just being systematic about how you do it. Um, you can't prevent everything, but we can do our best to try and reduce the risk. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. No, awesome. Oh, well said, mate. We'll, we'll get into the personal side now of the podcast, have a bit of fun with these, but uh, the, the get to know Chris Perkin side, mate. So, oh, yeah. Very good. good. Okay. Have a, have a go. <laughs> first, first one is um, which movie or TV series has impacted the most of why? And you can ch- throw in book as well if you're not a, a TV. Well, probably the opposite for me. I wouldn't like to say I'm not a book guy, but um, yeah, maybe a bit of ADD doesn't allow me to read book um, that well. So podcasts, movies are good. Look, one of my favourite movies, Pulp Fiction, that's got nothing to do with anything here. So we'll go with my second favourite movie, um, yep. Shawshank Redemption. So yep. I think that's you know a favourite a lot of people. And hey, uh, with Morgan Freeman and Tim Robbins and Andy Dufresne doing what he did, overcoming the seemingly impossible mission you know, um, being dealt some shitty hand and, you know, thought through what, you know, in the prison system, what you think no one would ever do. I can't remember if it was based on a true story or not now. It should be. It's such a good movie. Um, yeah. But, you know, the passion to follow through on a task and the persistence to do what he did in, in digging a freaking um, tunnel with a little pick um, that took him 10, 15, whatever it was, years to get through. So, you know, there's some great messages in that movie. You know, friendship that lasts forever, uh, relationship building, understanding human beings and how they tick. You know, for me, that movie where that old bloke disappeared out of the, the life he had and necked himself, hanging himself because he didn't know a life outside of prison. Mm. You know, so that was like the emotions from that movie are big for me. So, you know, uh, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy the friendship and the, and, the, and the camaraderie that you see in things like that and then the, the the as i said the the inspiration to actually follow your passion and get your goal and no matter how long it takes yeah, yeah. no and persistence you know so yeah. persistence towards a goal there you go that's um that's my my favorite movie too so i just made some um little positives up out of that 100 percent. you make uh, you're selling it well it makes me want to watch it again it. and I, <laughs> I really i like um chatting with the young blokes at footy clubs and say go through movies they've watched and you yeah. can't believe some of the movies they haven't seen that, you know, I mean, I, as I said, maybe I'm getting a bit old, but um, some of the classic movies that you've all, everyone's watched or um, series and, and go, you know, you've got to watch these things. So mm. have, if anyone hasn't watched that, go and have a, go and have a look. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. I can vouch for that. And it's definitely in my top 10. Yeah. Uh, so for sure. It's a good long one as well. I don't think they make movies uh, three hours long anymore. No, no, I can't. You can't sit them through. People have got uh, a little bit of issues with, with social media. You're going to get in, in and out. <laughs> all yeah. series now, 30 minutes, 60 minutes. That's right. Exactly. Um, uh, we, you almost tied it into that first question, but favorite inspirational quote or life motto? Yeah, I, look, I probably, um, one of my mum, mum would always say to me, be kind, you know, always be kind to people. You know, you be kind to you, them, they'll be kind to you, treat people how you want to be treated. That sort of concept, um, I think I take that into most of my patients, no matter who they are, where they come from, what their problem is, um, whether they're, you know, Hollywood superstar athlete who plays for the you know, Eagles or your old Mother Hubbard who's sort of walking with a bung knee. I sort of always want to be trying a nice, kind, friendly person to people that you can actually, you can actually um, relate to. So I think that's really important in, um, in getting the results out of people is actually so they can build trust in you. So... You know, I think Morgan Freeman had the, had the quote of, you know, how do we change the world? One act of 
one random act of kindness at a time, you know, random act. So, you know, I mean, I think like he, he sort of said, if, he, if everyone does that, uh, a little bit of random kindness every day of their life, you know, the, the world's a better place. And, you, you know, that yeah, kind of, if someone does that to you, you go, oh, thanks. Didn't expect that. And that's such a nice feeling to have. So I think just being kind to people and being, you know, um, understanding that you don't know what's going at the back of someone's life um, if they're a grumpy ass. Um, be kind the fact that they might have some battles going on in the background you don't know about. And that's, that's why with, you know, my job, I, I hunt that down with people and trying to find un- underlying what's the, what's the real issue that's not getting them better. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's the battle they're having in their brain underneath it all. So um, mm-hmm. I think it's important to get relationships. And if you're a kind person, you'll, you'll get the best out of your people you're dealing with. Well, great message. And what about uh, on the flip side, in your work life, what are your pet peeves? What makes you angry? Oh, what makes me angry is a little bit of too long non-weight bearing. That's one thing when people are coming back after surgery. <laughs> I'll, work yep, at that. Yep. I'll work at that over time. I don't think it's good for bone health. I don't think it's good for muscle sort of health. I, like, I would like to get some more research done in. Um, times, time off your leg, you know. It's, uh, I know there's a reason we need to be careful with injury management. That's one of the things. Um, mm-hmm. But that's one of my things because, you know, we're working at elite athletes. And if they're off their feet for 12 weeks, we, um, we then you lose, lose it. You lose it. You don't use yeah. it, lose it. That's the old motto. Um, yeah. Bone health and muscle health, tendon health are all – how do we work on that? By loading, by loading the body. So I don't like when people aren't being active. And I don't like mm-hmm. people when they're not um, – I don't like it when people are having excuses for not being active. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, but everyone's different, so you can't push people. But a pet, one of my pet peeves probably is poor management. When I'm seeing second or third opinions of people who haven't given enough of a shit of their patient and I've just yeah. done the standard average thing that just gets them through a 15, 20 appointment and they just haven't put enough effort into the patient they've had. And, you know, everyone's differently. Everyone has a different model of why they work, but. I do not like where people are not using evidence-based things these days. People are using ultrasounds on things. Please, please throw it away. Um, mm. Ultrasound machine or electric stimulation, it doesn't work. We know it doesn't work. It should be out of your clinic. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe there's some new research that suggests it does work somewhere, but please show me. Because um, I, I just think that, you know, it's so much more evidence-based stuff out there now and exercise and I'm passionate about people getting on the right track quicker. And when yep. I see second or third opinions that have been just dealt the wrong cards and have been thrown on this medical merry-go-round for, for a year or two years and their life's been put on hold because they haven't had simple things given to them, mm. um, you know, that's, that's it. So show care, get second opinions, big picture stuff sometimes. Don't sweat the small stuff. Like get, like get people better and get them being happy again. So, yeah, it pisses me off when people are, Manage poorly over and over. Mm. There you go. Yeah, mate. Oh, you, you, know, you can tell you, you, you're passionate and you care, which is uh, yes. yeah, we love to see it. Yes, um, exactly. what, what, what's your favorite way to spend your day off, mate? COVID free world, everything's going beautifully in the world again. These last two questions. Yeah. yeah favorite way to spend your um, day off. Well, here's a little bourbon and coke. Um, I don't mind. Wild turkey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Friday night. So, look, I mean, being a physio, I probably don't. Just sit and laze about, um, you know, yourself. I, don't, I struggle with doing um, nothing. Um, mm-hmm. I should be better at doing that, being mindful of just chilling out. 
but I struggle doing nothing. So I, I, a perfect day for me would be ducking off to the gym. I can't run anymore because of my dodgy hips. So, but doing some exercise that involves a bit of cardio, um, going down watching my, my young bloke play footy. Um, he's at Colts level. And then, you know, ha- catching up with my old, old footy mates and old friends, um, watching my old footy team, you know. Uh, and, and at the same time, watching the Eagles win by 50 points. Yep. <laughs> um, it's coming, yeah. <laughs> and take, taking my crazy dog for a walk um, and sitting by a fire at the end of a day, you know, with the footy on maybe, um, with kids and friends and, you know, just chilling out. But also yep. having ticked a few boxes during the day. There yeah, you go. productive day. Yeah. Yeah, yep. but, you know. And um, be able to relax in a way that, you know, you can reflect on what, what, what's been happening in your life maybe occasionally. Yep. And uh, last one for, um, for the rest of 2022, mate, what, what are you excited about? What's on the horizon for you for this year? Yeah. So for this year, um, well, continually grow the business. Um, I'm enjoying the, the more of the performance stuff, building and building and exposing that to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to getting back to Rotto. You, you have to, if you haven't been to Rotnest Island, mate, you have to get over to Perth one day. Rotnest, and... I have, I have. What, what's this, the, the uh, I hit special that animal that's, um, that Quokka. lives there? Quokka. The Quokka. Yeah. Quokka it's selfie. probably been, it's, I reckon it's nearly been 10 years though, so I am due yeah. to get back. Yeah, forgetting, <laughs> forgetting, Island. getting the boat out to Rotto is, is going to yeah. happen towards the sunny season again and, you know, I'm lucky enough to do to be getting a, some lecturing gig over in Switzerland um, at the end of the year, November. Oh, so that'll be my first trip over there, doing some teaching in the hip and groin with some um, with some interpreters. Um, and yeah, I guess um, uh, just keeping fit and healthy, and um, keeping keeping people on the right track, getting them getting them the message of keeping fit and active and healthy, and and um, you know along the way um, trying to have some fun. Yeah, yeah, and and on that one for for those that are, are managing a busy schedule, how, how have you managed to be able to work in elite sport for as long as you have from a longevity point of view, um, and then also you know you know create businesses and, and do other things outside of sport? How how do you juggle? Yeah, those two look, aspects of your professional it's very life? tough. So it's, certainly relationships are tough um, because you need to squeeze a lot of people in your life and that things like that do suffer over time. But, you know, I mean, um, I've been lucky enough to have a lot of support with my kids. And so that's, that's one part of it, but, you know, getting, getting your exercise in early um, yep. in the day, getting up at five o'clock, mate, <clears throat> uh, living on five to six hours sleep. Even though we tell our elite athletes to live on eight plus. Um, yep. Yep. But if you don't, if you, you got to drop time somewhere, if you want to put extra in, um, but, you know, you know, I guess, if you're enjoying what you're doing at work, it doesn't seem like work. So, I mean, there's, that's important. Uh, and, you know, b- variety. I think the variety. So I've been lucky enough that the club were happy to have me part-time as opposed to not involved. Um, so, you know, and as a specialist, I guess I can give that, that opinion and uh, consulting sort of environment, but also have been there long enough to know the system and how it works. And, and so, yeah, the, ju- the juggle act of, act of, um, of involving sport, life, uh, friends, it's just having a busy life. Um, and I guess things are compromised somewhere and you have to accept that you can't be everything to everyone and um, yep. things will change over time when life changes. So um, roll with it what, with them when you can. <laughs> awesome, mate. No, well said. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for jumping on and sharing your time with us on a Friday oh, thanks, night, Jack. like you said. 
No, it's and, good, mate. Um, I appreciate you doing a great job with this stuff. And, um, yeah, some good stuff um, coming out of it. 100%. You get guests like, guests like yourself and it makes my life easy and just share, yeah. share your story. So, no, thank yeah, you yeah. And, and thank you for everyone uh, watching live. If, if you tuned in halfway through or at the end, make sure to watch the whole episode on our YouTube channel and we'll post the podcast recording for the podcasters out there on the upcoming Tuesday. So stay tuned. Uh, our next live chat will be with Michael Crichton, the owner of um, Melbourne Health and Performance. That will be on Friday, uh, the 13th of May. I'll see you guys then, 8.30pm. Cheers, Chris. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate it, mate. Good on you. If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content, such as a Q&A segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian of the Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up? Oh, this one is always, uh, I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane. And I yep. often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be. And then game changes, yeah, game changes whatever that might be. And look, it probably keeps me in a job, but that it does drive me insane because yeah. sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes and, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete for. Yeah, yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with Academy member Rama Davies, the strength conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome, Rama, to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us, awesome. so he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll handle it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And, yeah, thanks, um, thanks Sam, for the chat. It was uh, I found it to be really insightful, plenty of gems in there. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mate, my, my question to you was you spoke a, a, quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat, um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um, do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did um, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm. Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it yeah certainly yeah has been massive for me now, and and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is is gratitude. I spend a lot of my mm. time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts doing a, a journal every day just to be to say what I'm grateful for sort of three things and um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to yeah like reset and and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about you know that there is more to life than football or you know it might be whatever as an SNC coach you know if something's you having a hard time 
um, it can be massive with just yeah opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that in that work bubble. Um, yeah. So that's that's been huge. Um, I think I wish back then when I was younger, I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm. I think I was a bit single-minded back then and, um, you know, I thought there was one way of doing things and um, if I kind of didn't have that fear of, you know, asking a silly question or fear of judgment, it would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker. Um, and, yeah. and yeah, like just, yeah, being open to sort of different things because um, you never know what you might find. It's just, yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. And there's plenty more where that came from. If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.